We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of Seahawks Man to Man is presented by OfficialK9.com, the official store of Kenneth Walker III. His store combines the power of Web 2 and Web 3 to allow for fans to purchase new merch drops, digital collectibles, and enter exclusive giveaways. Make sure and peep OfficialK9.com to see all the newest merchandise from Kenneth Walker III and use code Seahawks for 10% off at checkout. Again, use code Seahawks on OfficialK9.com for 10% off Kenneth Walker III's official gear at checkout. Check out the podcast description for more details. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. You can follow me on the tweet machine at, at Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Shout out to everyone who follows us and subscribes on YouTube as well. Seahawks Man to Man is the name of the channel. That's Man to Man with the number two man. We appreciate all of the love and support uh, on the YouTube. Couldn't do it without y'all. Chris, talk to him. What is good, everybody? Thanks again on the YouTube channel for sure. We just now surpassed 2,500 subscribers. So we want to thank you guys out there for subscribing on the road to 3K. You can follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's CKID206. All right. Another post draft episode uh, with another draft expert. Uh, one of our favorite guests to break down film and get all nerdy with us. A uh, recurring guest on the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. We have the homie Sam Gold on the line. You guys know Sam if you've been listening to the show, watching us for a while now. Sam's a film analyst, uh, creator of Sam's Film Room. Uh, does great work on, on his YouTube channel. Please go hit the subscribe uh, button on there. Sam, welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me back on. We have to, man. It's a year. It's we have to have you at least once or twice a year at minimum. Yeah, at least, yeah, at least at least twice. Once during the season. Once during the off season. Um, yeah. So yeah, glad glad to have you back, man. What do you, we think of draft class, man? Man, I was really impressed. Uh, pretty much across the board, I was very happy, except for uh, the one pick. People are angry that I'm not happy about um, the Zach Charbonnet pick, but we can we can talk about that later. Uh, everyone else, I was um, fits a fits a need, fits a fits a spot, and I overall, I, I 
I had some, I had a, a, some minor complaints, but I, th- I think I think they impressed overall. Well, I know for a fact all three of us are in agreement here of their selection of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm. I think it's going to fit. Mike has alluded to how it's going to work. I did a, some reading on you. I'm waiting for your film room breakdown on how it's going to work. But for people that maybe not didn't get a chance to read your article that you dropped on Monday, Sam, break down why you think Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Seahawks is the perfect fit. Yeah, happy to. Uh, so for me, when I look at Jackson Smith and Jigba, and it took me like 12 times to get that right, uh, <laughs> what I see is a guy that is really good underneath and a guy that is very um, – He's very knowledgeable in how and very knowledgeable in how he runs his routes, especially underneath. He's subtle to the way he moves, the way he uses his his footwork pairs that with his body leverage and positioning. Like, for example, you'll see a, a slant route, just an just an easy slant route. And you'll take a little bit of an inside step. He'll step back to the outside in order to push the other side. And then and then he'll 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 shield the ball using his body away from the defender on something as simple as a slant route. It's not. I'm going to take my two, three steps and go. It's it's everything he does, he does, it seems like he does with a plan and a purpose. And so to win consistently underneath and even in middle areas, uh, you have to be able to do that. It's it's not just about the long speed. It's not about uh, it's not just about uh, you know, having those those elite uh tangibles that everyone talks about, the height, all these other things. It's all it's 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 the subtlety and the route running knowledge. It's very Doug Baldwin esque when you watch his footwork because he can vary it a lot. He can he can do he can use different moves, different little step jumps, in, in order to basically separate himself from an opposing defender. And so, to me, the reason why I think think he fits so well is that the Seahawks don't even have that that player mold on their team anymore. Uh, what you see is you have DK Metcalf, who is awesome at you know like the fades, the the the, the goes down the sideline. He's great at the slant routes on the outside. Um, he can run an occasional dig if 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 you want to set him up with something like a like a dagger concept, which is like a seam on the inside and a a dig route coming underneath that. Um, Tyler Lockett, uh, I love Tyler Lockett and his ability in the slot, but but ever since basically he's kind of stopped wanting to get yards after the catch, which I which I actually I I completely respect that given that he's like getting older and stuff like that, and I know it's frustrating when he doesn't pick up the first down sometimes, but whatever. Uh, we needed somebody that will fill that role in that in that other slot position, and that and that will fight and make those tough catches over the middle. And JSN can do that. Uh, I like that in this offense, he can fit a pretty defined role too. For example, if 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 Geno Smith and and Shane Waldron go into more of like a spread shotgun style offense, which is what I expect them to do next year. Jason's going to thrive in that weak side, backside slot position uh, because he's going to get a lot of those fake handoffs. I'm just going to throw it to JSN right right over in the back left or or the back right, depending on which way the offense is facing. Right, right. I, love, I love that fit. He's really good at finding space between zones. And, and the great part is that he is so dang quarterback friendly in the way he runs his routes. He will push up into a covered area and then he'll cut all the way back down running directly back to the quarterback with his hands raised ready for the catch and finding that spot it is 
I can guarantee you he's going to make a bunch of those third down catches and fans are going to love him by like week four. It's he's, <laughs> he's that type of player that I'm, I'm pumped. I'm like so pumped about this. I think this was because I remember when the Seahawks drafted Dwayne Eskridge, you were excited about him. I think this is just the fresher version because unfortunately Dwayne hasn't stayed healthy and he's just yeah. fallen out. And I think now they have a fresh face in there. You know, he's had hamstring injuries, but ultimately staying healthy. I think to your point, he's going to be week four. Fans are going to have his jersey. This It's going to be yeah. crazy to watch what he can do on big downs when Geno's just like, man, we just need a first down. And yeah. JSN is available and making plays. So I'm sure people that are listening are excited. I know Mike and I are excited to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. It'll definitely be a, a journey this season for sure. Yeah, and, and what's what's funny about that you, see, you say that is that last year it was – when G- when Gino got under pressure or or he needed to find that outlet, you forced the ball to DK, and it, w- it it got to the point where it was like, all right, like another dude is open, but you're throwing it to DK because you because you you trust him, and I get that. Uh, and there was like one or two plays where where Deskridge was was wide open on like a corner out, and he's and Deskridge has, has what 122 career receiving yards. I was like that would like double his double his yard total in one catch, <laughs> um, but. I think having another player that that he can trust and he's going to build that trust over the offseason into the first half of the season. I think I think man that's that's going to play pay so many dividends to have two players that he's just like I just trust you guys in order to make this play and, and be open and come back to me and, and be there. I, I see it. Uh, I want to you alluded to something earlier. I want to dive a little bit deeper into it. Like what are some other ways that Shane and, uh, and Gino, Pete, whoever the hell is in charge of building this thing, can go about maximizing what Jackson does best in his rookie season? Yeah, really good question. Um, so we already talked about the kind of the, the, the shotgun spread approach where you can put him on, you know, the weak side or the opposite side of the tight end and let let it, let him win underneath for, for, for a quick throw, like a pop pass or something like that. I, I see the instant fit right there, obviously. Um the other things they can do with him are running uh, wide receiver sweeps and using him just simply as a decoy. And now, and now he's not a, I don't think he's an elite athlete in terms of like, uh, like his, like his top end speed. He ran a four, four, eight at his, as pro day. And everyone knows pro days are always faster. And I, I don't, I don't think that showed up. I don't think elite speed ever showed up in his film. He has he has good speed and it's and it's his vision with the ball in his hands that that maximized his gifts back in college. What I see happening as I see some those wide receiver screens we used to see with Daryl Bevel back in the day on the outside. I see a, I see some some sweet plays where you're you're gonna fake it fake fake the sweep and and um and toss a screen the other direction to uh, Zach Charbonnet or or Kenneth Walker. You can you can do a lot with. Um, just having him sit over the middle of the de- of of the defense, finding those zone spots and being a reliable checkdown. Um, I mentioned this in my article on field goals that I see him having a bunch of games where he has like five catches and like forty yards, mm-hmm. and 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 that's not a a bad game or anything like that. You you do that seventeen times and you're already at what like eight hundred yards. Like that's that, way too much yards. math for us in the in the morning, Sam. Uh, yeah. so we'll trust your math on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's one of those things where you can get him involved instantly in terms of the same stuff he did in college. And then, and then on top of that, uh, when we, when they start using a lot more um, play action concepts, 
with Tyler Lockett running a, a like a deep over and 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 DK running a post or something, uh, you could have uh, JSN coming from the opposite side or doing some sort of pivot or swirl route, uh, and he's going to be open. And it's and it's those other two players are going to open space for him. There's like to me, you need a third wide receiver, and to get someone as talented um, and as a as a perfect complementary fit as JSN, man, this is to me this is my favorite pick in the entire draft in terms of the Seahawks especially. So if if, if uh, he does go for five and forty every week, obviously he won't literally do that every week. Yeah, that is that's nearly seven hundred yards. Yeah, yeah that would be, it'd be great wide receiver three production, um, yeah. the greatest they have uh, ever had. I'm gonna read some some statistics here before I ask you this next question. These are Seattle's yards after catch per reception ranks over the last four seasons. Um, so basically since they've had DK and Tyler together in 2019, they were 20th and mm. uh, 2020, they were 24th and 2021, they were 11th somehow. Um, and last year, good God, they were 30th in yards after catch per reception. Um, and just the, the 49er playoff game, just so, so well illustrated the gap mm. between the best team at it and arguably the worst team at it. Yeah. Um, so I throw those numbers out there. Before I ask this, Sam, please tell us that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to finally fix Seattle's yards after catch problem. I think he's going to help. I think he, I think he's going to help, especially go. on the crossers. And I'll say this: it can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 also it's also um, I blame the thirty the stat on on. Frankly, I'll point but Tyler Lockett directly. Like 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 we we can we can just say it's Tyler Lockett. A lot of those yards are left on the field. And I love the guy, and I think I think he offers so much more in terms of the, the the separation and just catching the ball and getting open value that it doesn't bother me when 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 he goes down. Uh, but <laughs> we can we can we can point to him and just say, "Yo, <laughs> that's on you." I haven't yeah. really. Oh, go, go ahead, Mike. Well, it's a very tough thing with Tyler there, but I do, I will say he's very smart. He waited until towards the end of his career to start doing that where he's already built up a bunch of goodwill yeah, uh, with exactly. the fans and the coaches and everybody. So no one's, no one's begging 24 year old Tyler to go out there and run through some linebackers to pick up three extra yards. Like mm. oh, Tyler's 30. We love him already. You know, so we're all right. If he's falling down and killing our yak numbers, you know, he scores a lot. He's still productive. Uh, but yeah, those, uh, those GAC numbers, every once in a while I come across a clip on YouTube, someone compiled, not on YouTube, on Twitter or something, they compile all the times Tyler has fallen on the ground, like intentionally. And mm -hmm. if you just put them all together, like, damn, okay, that does look bad. <laughs> uh, but then you look up, and it's like, well, dang, he went for a thousand yards again, and, you know, seven, yeah. eight touchdowns. Like, oh, he's still a very good player. He's, he's just like, I'm not here for getting smoked by linebackers over the middle. And you know what? I understand. <laughs> I, do, I do understand. Yeah. I know both of you guys have been watching a lot of JSN film, but Sam, I'm curious. Is this someone who you think you can throw a quick bubble screen to and he can make one guy miss, get some yards, or you're saying he can do well with the intermediate routes, what he did in college that I did see? What are your thoughts there? I think I think he can do both. Uh he's shifty enough underneath and he's got he's got some 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 good short area elusiveness and quickness with the ball in his hands that he can he can make a guy miss and and just power forward and get a get a few extra yards here and there. Um, is he like a Debo Samuel type that's just going to take one to the house? I'm going to say probably not. Like it's it's you know, maybe you'll see one in his first couple years, but overall, I don't. I see him more as a 
a consistent plus one, plus two, plus three type to the yak and uh, just consistently angling in the right way. And, 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 and then occasionally you'll see like a, like a 12 yard catch that should have went for 15 total yards and he'll, you'll get like 22 out of it. And you'll be like, Oh, that was a great play. And I, I feel like we're going to, you're going to see that every four to six weeks. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think that's good note. I like that. I know Mike is probably shaking his head because he's done with screens. You don't want to see none of it, whether it's the <laughs> running backs, receivers. But if JSN has a little wiggle and can make the first guy miss, maybe this will revitalize, revamp what the Seahawks are trying to do within the screen game. So you don't I'm want not giving up on the numbers right now. Those numbers are even worse than the yards. <laughs> They're, <bad. catch> <laughs> They're really bad. Oh, screen numbers are just a tr- and that ain't today. Tyler's fault. That's everybody. That's so, everyone. Yeah. I, <laughs> That's I will say, Chris. Dude. I will. I will give. I will. I will refrain from tweeting hashtag ban screen passes. <laughs> Is it, I will give Jackson Smith and Jigba the opportunity to change my mind on that. Yeah, because right now you're right. I'm outlawing screens in the state of Washington. <laughs> but with Jackson on the roster, I will. I will try to have a little bit more faith, even though it's not something they did a bunch with him at Ohio state, at least from what I've seen, he's mm. just so good. If, if I ever have doubts about Jackson's ability to get the ball and make plays with it in his hands, I'll just put on the, the Rose bowl tape and I'll yeah. be, my faith shall be restored. Man, that <laughs> if, 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 if you are, if you haven't watched any film on, on Jackson Smith and Jigba, watch, watch his game against Utah in the Rose bowl. That, that thing was, you put that on, you're just in heaven and just like play some like pump up, like Hans Zimmer in the background and just like, <laughs> Get yourself hyped because that that is it. 
Well, speaking of hype, there was a lot of hype around the Seahawks' fifth overall pick in the 2023 draft. His name is Devin, but it's spelled Devon, and that's Witherspoon. Mm. How is he going to improve this Seahawks secondary, and what can fans expect from him this season? Yeah, great question. Uh, so, sorry, is it is it Devin or is it Devon? It's, it's Devin, but it's spelled Devon, you know, okay, D-E-V-O-N. It. It's my little okay. joke there. <laughs> I, I'm like I, I'm like historically terrible at pronouncing pronouncing people's pronouncing pronouncing <laughs> people's names. So I'm like trying to I'm like actively trying to get better at it. Um, what I see with with Devin Weatherspoon is a guy that has a very understanding of what a receiver is is trying to do. He's very patient in his game. He's very he has um, he has really good. Uh, like instincts for where the ball is going when it's coming in the air and he knows how to attack it out of the air in terms of his timing and just generally playing it while it's while it's coming in his, his direction. Um, the fascinating part about Devin Witherspoon is that you read like eight different scouting reports on him and you're going to get like eight different answers on, is he a zone cornerback? Is he a man cornerback? Should he only do this? Should he only do that? He can do it all. And I I don't I don't I don't think it's it's an exclusive thing to just man versus zone. I think he has the instincts and the knowledge built to to do it all. And I think he has um the plant and drive ability from an off leverage, like an outside zone position, think like cover two or like a cover six or something like that, or even cover four, in order to drive and attack a ball out of the air. Um is he better at man? Um in college, the answer was was without a doubt yes. Um, I looked this up last night because I was curious. Um, <clears throat> yards allowed per covered snap is one of my favorite stats out there for, mm-hmm. for, for cornerbacks. Uh, he was the number one yards allowed per covered snap cornerback in man coverage last year with greater than 100 and 150 man coverage snaps. 0.4 yards allowed per covered snap. The average is like 1.1 or something like that. He crushed it. Like you can't throw against him in man coverage, especially out of the slot. Um, and that is something that is interesting is that some people only think he's a slot cornerback. <clears throat> it seems like what's what's interesting about that is that a lot of people have this 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 defined view of what he can and cannot do, just ma- ma- mainly based on his uh, like his body type being a little bit on the skinny side, based on his like he doesn't have elite speed, but he has like really good speed. Um, they do it they do it on um, based on his ability to break on routes and and some other things. But in my opinion, he has such a a wide versatile skill set. That I I I think I think that's why they like him so much is that you can throw him as a perimeter cornerback on the outside um, opposite of Tariq. You can put him in the slot in uh, against certain matchups. Uh, you can play zone and 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 the the fun part about the zone about his ability in zone is that if there's ever a star receiver matchup where he's following them across the field, you can still play zone off of that. That's rare. You can't like it's 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 you can do so many more disguised coverages with him and having that other great outside cornerback on the outside of Tariq that it opens up the playbook. Oh man. Now I'm getting, this is just, I'm excited as hell. Listening to Sam, we had Dane Brugler on last, uh, last week talking about the draft class too. This is, this is getting me more hype. I think they nailed these, these first two picks here. And I want to dive in a little bit more to something. Again, you just alluded to is the man, the man stuff. 
um, not just because it's the name of the, our show, um, but I do know that part of the plan with Seattle, A, you're right, Seattle likes them because he can do everything. But I do know one thing in particular that they want to be able to do is open up the playbooks, knowing that the guys can be reliable and man, um, because that like Seattle, what was it, Chris? 15% blitzes last year or something like that. I know we talked about it on the last yeah. very, very yep. low blitz number. And part of there's a few reasons for that. But part of that is like, well, if you're going to blitz, guys have to be able to cover on the back end mm. in the event that we don't get there. If you don't got guys who can do that, well, then you don't blitz as much, yada, yada, yada. Um, so the hope is that Tariq and Devin are just sticky as hell and Clint can cover, he can call whatever the hell uh, he wants, maybe even get more aggressive. So tell us a little bit more about what you've seen specifically that makes Devin good as a man to man guy. Yeah. Um. So, so what's, what's interesting about that conversation is that <clears throat> everybody remembers that about two, two or three years ago, Seahawks were incredible at stopping the run and they were, like a very below average pass coverage team. That was like, that's like historically been the Pete Carroll um, issue over the last, last like three or four years. Um, not like obviously Legion of Boom time, but more recently. Um, so they invested in, um, and, and Kobe, they invested in um, uh, Tariq Woolen. They invested in Jamal Adams. Connor Diggs is, is got re-signed. And then, then they also drafted Devin Witherspoon. Uh Obviously, I was also mixing there's Trey Brown and some some other people that I don't know if still, still exist on the roster that I'd have to look at. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really remember right now. Uh, the the interesting thing is that last year we had the we had the exact opposite problem. We were great against the pass and awful against the run. Everybody remembers the the the, the 49ers uh, playoff game where they just got smoked on the ground. Everybody remembers all these other games where if you have a, a decent a decent offensive line and a decent running back. You don't even need a decent running back. You just need a, like a decent offensive line. You can blow up in holes and you get four or five chunk yards here and there. Panthers game. That one was painful. Raiders game too. Raiders. The Raiders. Oh my God. That really final run. <laughs> Kill me. Yeah. Um, what's interesting is that a lot of the issues from, from my recollection was the Seahawks insistence on running a too high or, or a too high or a middle of the field open type coverage, which is your cover twos, your cover fours, some argue cover sixes. Uh, and the Seahawks used that a lot more, especially the cover sixes last year. Um, and that brought that, that, that made the matchups underneath in terms of run defending more difficult. If you have six blockers, um, there's seven gaps. And so typically you need seven defenders. However, because they were in this too high look, you only had six defenders and you expected a safety or someone else to come down and fill that gap. Uh, Jamal Adams, they, they wanted him to do that, but he gets injured, right? Ryan Neal was okay sometimes and, and very, very not okay some other times. Um, with having another cornerback straight up, you can actually play more middle of the field close coverages and bring that extra man back into the box. To me, that's the value. It's that you have four or five secondary members and you can play more traditional cover three. For example, you can have a three deep four underneath shell and have that extra defender in the box. And that solves your run problems because the issue is that the Seahawks weren't bad when they had that extra man in the box. I actually looked at um, the giants game was a fascinating one mm -hmm. to me. Uh, you have you have Saquon Barkley. You have you have an offensive line that was that was actually not bad, especially with Andrew Thomas, who's an elite left tackle for them. Um, and you have the threat with uh, Daniel Jones on the ground, right? 
I, I expected them to gash the Seahawks, but they didn't because they basically said, all right, we're going to force you to, we're going to force you to throw, play a lot more cover three. Uh, and we're going to be a lot more aggressive about that. And the only plays where Saquon actually gained a like good yardage, good yardage on were when they pulled back to t- a too high look. This isn't a battle of all, were the Seahawks bad at run defense. They were just bad and too high. They weren't bad in, 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 a, in a one high defensive look. And so to me, that's where Devin Weatherspoon steps right in, is that if you have a trustworthy outside perimeter cornerback, a guy that you can kind of play man coverage with, play play some of these more blitz-heavy looks like a cover three zone dog, which is three deep, three under, <clears throat> you'll open up your, 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 your defensive playbook in order – to, to, to solve that run defensive problem too. Um, so I, I'm bumped <laughs> to say the least um, in terms, in terms of positives, in terms of uh, uh, man coverage and stuff like that. Um, he does get a little bit handsy at the top of routes. I think he's, I think he's good at, at turning and mirroring and running and um, his, his mirror steps and his ability to, uh, to shadow a receiver uh, with active hands and, 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 and play that press down the field is, is very impressive. Um, he has a good controlled pet back pedal so that you don't really see him getting beaten that often, like instantly, uh, you see, you see, you see some problems down the field and off coverage where he'll, he'll, he's susceptible to a double move. I'm going to say that right now. He is susceptible to a double move at this point. Um, but overall it's, it's, it's immediate impact. I'm, 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 I'm thrilled for this. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, quantify something you mentioned in that Giants game. Remember how good Saquon Barkley was this year? I guess the Seahawks, he had 53 yards on 20 attempts. Yeah. Like that complete shutdown with with largely the same personnel for Seattle that was getting gashed by other teams. You know, they were able to shut down Saquon Barkley. Although, good God, I'm looking at the Giants receiving core, and I forgot how bad this was. Awful. <laughs> so bad. I so the the, the what the box I'm looking at only has it has their first initial and then their last name. I can't tell you who half these dudes are other than Darius Slayton. <laughs> who the hell is T Hudson? I have no clue uh, who that is. And I, I watch a lot of NFL and I have no idea yeah. who that is. W Robinson <laughs> Wendell? Is that who that is? Yeah, it's yeah. I think he was I think he was decent when he was healthy, right? I thought I thought I thought he was like a fantasy guy. Uh, I think I, I, I can see why the Giants invested in some receivers in the draft. Let's just yeah. <laughs> let's just say that. But yeah, Pretty that good. what you just mentioned, Sam, I think is so much of why the Devin pick is so big for them. Not just because all right, we got a guy that can cover, but what else that unlocks? Mm-hmm. Um, they were so you could just see Clint was very limited in what he could cover, and it, it was the results were very predictable. Damn near, it was like well. If we go to if we go to light box, we're getting gashed. If we yeah. bring some guys down, we'll stop the run, you know. But then, you know, uh, we might give up something on third down or something like that. Like all the every you could see the the chess game that they were losing uh, quite often, unless Kobe Bryant was poking the ball out to shift the tide back into the team's uh, favor here. So, man, I'm I'm with you, man. The stuff that Clint's gonna be able to do with everyone healthy, you know, yeah. We're Chris. I think I think. I think the CRD might be back. I think the CRD might be back. <laughs> hey, that's a great sign. And another player that, if I'm not mistaken, Sam, you talked about just the combo between Tariq Woolen and Devin Witherspoon. I think you said maybe it's elite. I forget the exact wording that you tweeted, but I know you were in favor of it. And when you look at Tariq's first season in totality, what 
did you love about his game? And what are you still looking at and saying, okay, this is where he can improve? Because I'll be honest, when I look back at Tariq's season, there's like tiny few things that I think he can get better at. But someone that's a guru in this regard of studying film, what do you think he can really hit on to become an even better corner? Yeah. Um, so for me, um, Tariq's value um, often gets paired with kind of his size and his length uh, and, and, and his and just that instant acceleration in order to kind of um, in order to basically shadow receivers any any which way you want to go um, around the field. I think for me, uh, it's the over reliance on that. Um, I think there was um, he's he made at least one or two interceptions where he was beaten. And he recovered to intercept a or break up an underthrown pass down the field. I want to say that happened in the Lions game, but my memory is com- completely gone right now because it's the summer. <laughs> um, yeah, so so please correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, there was there were at least a couple plays like that where he was beaten. It, wa- it wasn't even like uh, like oh yeah he he baited the the corner the the wide receiver. No, he got he got beat. Like it's 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 pretty clear that. He relies very heavily on his athleticism so much that he forgoes his technique um, and not using the athleticism as a boost to the technique in closing. Um, To me, I think that's going to come with time and just like uh, more understanding the speed of the game uh, or or the speed of the NFL, more less of the game overall, just just the NFL and overall and how fast everybody is. to me, that's that's the number one thing. I think I think I'm hoping to see an improvement in that this year. Okay, the speed of the game changing is so interesting to hear. The the I love asking guys about that in their first year, or their second year. Yeah, because um, it's sometimes it can be a little hard to tell. Um, it, it's hard for us to feel it sometimes. Like if you only watch the games just live on TV, you're like, well, all these cats look fucking fast. Yeah. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, it doesn't look like there's that much of a change. And I can kind of see it a little bit now that I watch some more college film. You can see the, the different speeds. It's, that's how it's so easy sometimes to pick out who the pro guys are on college without even knowing their names. She's like, oh, he's just moving faster than everyone. So he's probably the guy that, that I should be, should be looking for. Uh, the speed thing is always, even for linemen, too. They never even really say the strength. They're like, this is a lot of shit going on in the trenches yeah. uh, versus what you're what they're running in the uh, in, in college. Also, the schemes in college are very simple too. Everyone's running just spread some version of some RPO shit. Unless you play one of the yeah. uh, unless you play one of the military schools, you're getting then it's just like triple option left and right, and it's just some crazy stuff. Yeah, and even then, that ain't even complex. You know, me and Chris are Wazoo grads. One year, we, we lost the Cheez-It Bowl to Air Force. And I'm pretty sure Air, <laughs> Air Force, I know that's, that's the craziest sentence. We lost the Cheez-It Bowl to Air Force. It's just like, yeah. it's, not like it's not like I made that up. Uh, <laughs> Air Force probably ran like a version of the same play like five, six times. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it, it, uh, uh, it's absurd. I wanted to quantify something we talked about earlier. Yeah, the Seahawks at 15% uh, blitz rate. That is the lowest uh, in the league, according to True Media. Um, Where were the Jets at, Mike? The Jets were at sixteen percent. Solid doesn't blitz much uh, either, but they they were kind of like old school Seattle with their defense. They were just like we 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 paid for a free safety. We have Sauce. We have DJ Reed. Cover three it up, boys. And they also had a much better D line, um, so they were able to get home. Like their defense was pretty pretty simple. You can't throw on us, and we have the numbers advantage, so you can't run on us. Yeah. 
The problem is when the Jets get the ball. (laughs) (laughs) That was the the issue uh, over there. So, yeah, man. Yeah, the corner situation in Seattle before we move to Derek Hall. Another pick I've been coming to like a lot more as I – as I watch it, man, the corner situation is just so, so encouraging uh, compared to even just where we were last year. This time last year, I think the starters were projected to be like maybe Sidney Jones and Trey Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the first day of camp, I think the starters were Artie, Artie Burns and Sidney Jones. And then you just look at where it grew to. And yeah. Like, wow, man, that position has come come a long way um and it needed to after losing dj reed and shaquille and back-to-back off seasons you're like it's like damn pete you just keep losing our best corner here yeah <laughs> maybe we should do something about that and it's like oh i got you guys i'm gonna draft it's, two guys it's interesting because like if if i think some people are questioning the uh kind of like the value of a cornerback in the top five like um like i feel i feel i feel like sauce garner was obviously a huge positive but um who's the guy from the lions took that they traded Jeff Okuda. Yeah, Yeah, it's uh, I feel like I feel like the the compare and contrast with like such like a like an instant star cornerback like sauce to like a straight up bust so far to to Jeff um, that it's like I feel like some people are kind of questioning the value of taking a cornerback that early versus taking like a pass rusher like a Tyree Wilson or, um, you know, somebody else. But uh, if there is no like star interior defensive lineman or star edge rusher that you're so confident on um the the cor- a cornerback is is it's like it's it's like the other way you can fix the run defense just just ba- based on schemes like it's it's not as it's such like an indirect way to solving a problem but it works because this league is such a passing league and um there's an argument that uh that it was a, it's a better overall pick than what you'd get from taking like a like a Will Anderson, even though Will, Will's obviously really good. Yeah, and and Will would have been the other guy they would have took if they yeah. if if he was there. They basically had two guys. They were like, yo, if, if these guys get to five, we yeah. stay. One was Will Anderson, and the other one was was Devin Witherspoon. Okay. I think the question is if they they would have taken Anthony uh, Richardson if if he fell. That was my that was my like like uh, hold up in every single like mock draft I looked at. I was like, oh, have they taken him? <laughs> Yeah, it's it. I don't think they would have. It probably would have been very tough from the pass on him, just because he is so so fun. Fun yeah. is the, is the word there with with Anthony Richardson. It's just man, it's another one of those guys. Like if Colts fans ever get like down on him, it's just like just go watch Utah, man. Go yeah. watch the game. You'll come. You'll come back. You, you'll 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 come back around um, on him. But yeah, the the other part about taking a corner high though that I think I'm gonna get too nerdy with it, but the economics of it do matter. Um, mm. too, which is why other positions aren't you shouldn't take them that high just because yeah. you're all you're not even really getting that much value from an economic standpoint like i think kyle pitts is already like a top 10 paid tight end or something yeah like that, right? you know and that. he was the fourth pick i believe like two or like three years ago now 2021 class i believe so it's like you're not getting that much you're already paying him like a good tight end so now when he's when he gets to a second contract now you have to pay him like the best tight end you know the B. John robinson is probably already like a top 20 paid running back yeah eighth pick you know as on his rookie deal well it's like well damn i'm not getting that much value out of that if i'm already paying him like a pretty decent back so i think corner whereas devin witherspoon is probably like corners make so much freaking money that even though he's making like eight million a year that's probably not even top 25 cornerback money yeah i was i was actually just looking at it because i was curious um yeah devin witherspoon he's like can't really count right now because I'm <laughs> it's way too early. It's like yeah, 25 to 30, somewhere in that range. 
Um, yeah, it's that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's there's so much. If 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 he's like anywhere near uh, like a top thirty cornerback in the league, anywhere in his rookie contract, like that's just like it's free money at that point. Bingo. Whereas, yeah, you take like a running back, a center, or even yeah. even off ball linebacker. To the, even though that salary is coming up a little bit, tight mm-hmm. end, those positions. That's why quarterback is so valuable. Like we look at where yeah. Bryce Young ranks right now at quarterbacks. It's nowhere near near the top, even though he's making a guaranteed contract and he's making a lot of money. So that that's that goes into it too. That's the economics part that's like can get overlooked a little bit. When we talk about where to take a guy high or not. It's like, nah, that's shit matters, man. Like mm. going to our next guy, Derek Hall, pick 37. That comes with a decent salary for 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 you know for Derek, but that's probably not even like a top 50 or whatever pass no. rush salary with what these guys make right now. So as we talk about uh him, I know you've watched him as well. How much better um does having Derek Hall make Seattle's pass rush? It's a good question. <clears throat> so I don't think I'm as high on Derek Hall as as some other people are. Um and it's not that <clears throat> I don't think he has upside. I think he has a lot of upside. Um, I have, for, for me, it comes down to, uh, how do I say this? Um, power rushers coming from college to the NFL. I don't see a lot of success early on. You don't, you don't see a lot of, from like a like if you think of your your traditional power rushers you think of like your like Justin Houston was one of them you think of like your Max Crosby's um who have that long arm stab type bull rush that um you can kind of collapse the pocket inwards and and also and also like it also helps in the run game because they're just that strong um that's why I'm a little bit less hyped on a a power rusher type um, and that's, and that's, and it's not that I dislike Derek Hall is that he has so much power. It's like, he maybe he's the exception because he's, his hands are ridiculous and he is, he can do a, a good one arm stab where his, just his ability to just get his arm in that shoulder pad and just destroy a, a, a an offensive tackle. It's crazy. Like it's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not just like. Oh, he's strong in college. No, this dude was like really strong. <laughs> like it's it's to me that's a huge plus. Um, the other plus is that um, this also adds to the run game too. Is that you could trust him as like a true three down defensive end. That may, maybe he's not a a twelve to fifteen sack guy. That if he's a six to eight sack guy, you know, not maybe not his rookie year, but like overall, and he and he and he can hold that defensive end spot and, and hold the line. Uh, like something like 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 what Michael Bennett did for forever, you know. Like you have, there's a lot of value. Uh, he has 34 and a half inch arms. That's crazy for his height. Like that's really long arms, so he can he can get there there first. He's not a uh, he's got like the quote unquote tweener body type, but his his arms uh, more than make up for that. And so uh, he can definitely get he can definitely he can definitely win with that alone. Um, I don't think he's uh, twitchy enough and has enough uh, lateral agility to truly threaten the outside of the pocket. I think he can do a, uh, he's got that one arm stab move. Um, He can do a little bit of a rip move too. Um, I think his, his technique right now and his pass rush plan is still very novice. I think he has a lot to learn in terms of just 
the hand fighting skills. And it's basically like if he, if he doesn't win instantly with those hand fighting skills, he's not going to win on that rep. Voter to just keep going and keep going and keep going, which is a huge plus to me. Um, and that's probably why Pete Carroll loves him is that he's got that insane motor and insane nonstop drive just to, just to, just to help out and clean up plays and, and, Everybody says that he's a really good leader, and and and, and you can see you can see in the film, um, it's just that is there the upside, and 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 to me, I've I've kind of yet to see it, but 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 I could be wrong. Like that's that's something that I'm kind of uh, I'm 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 gonna withhold judgment on an upside comment until um, we see him for at least a season or so. I know we talked about this a little bit off wax when Mike was mentioning how the Seahawks defense is pretty much brand new with a lot of players that are gone and all the new players are bringing in. When you look at the defensive line, they release defensive end Shelby Harris, defensive end Quentin Jefferson, Puna obviously doesn't return, neither does Al Woods. When you look at this defensive line as it is today, do you think this unit got better? Did it stay the same or maybe it dipped down? I think losing the interior abilities as is going to be the Achilles heel. I didn't. I don't think, like as much as I like uh, as 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 much as I think the value of someone like a Derek Hall and then adding, you know, like Draymond Jones to the to the team and, and some of the other guys, I think losing Puna Ford um, and losing um, Al Woods and stuff like that on the interior, I think that's going to be a huge problem. Um, to me, I'm still I'm, I'm very nervous about that. I don't I don't <laughs> think they have the interior defensive lineman to <laughs> to survive. Like I th- I think they're going to get be gashed. Like in the you're going to see some middle of the third quarter runs that are just like. Oh, if we had Puno, this would be different. Or Al Woods, <laughs> um, and it's and it's it's not like they they got paid a hefty amount, right? There was like three and a half million dollars or something like that, like for for Puna. Um, did they get better on the edge? Without a doubt, yes. Like without a doubt, they got better on the edge. That they they lost a good amount on the interior, and I think that was the bigger issue last year to start with was the interior upside, and now they have less of it. Speaking of defensive tackle, do you see a possibility where the Seahawks regret not taking a defensive tackle like a Jalen Carter or a Kalaja Kansi, who both were available yeah. within the fifth and the twentieth overall pick, but the Seahawks went cornerback and then went wide receiver, which we can make the discussion that okay, that was a great move, but when you talk about oh they're gonna get they might get gashed a few times here and there in the run game, having a Jalen Carter and or Kalaja Kansi might have changed things, right? Yeah, and that's the uh Jalen Carter is the only guy I, I, I like, I was like convinced. I was like, yeah, they'll, 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 they'll take him because I don't know, made up some sort of logic in my head that they, that they were like, Oh, they'll get over whatever the issues were. Uh, to, to me, to me, I thought, I thought Jalen Carter was like pretty much the, like the sure thing. Um, if it wasn't a trade down, I expected Jalen Carter. Um, obviously it was wrong. Um, I think in terms of immediate impact, a Jalen Carter would probably help out more going from a needs perspective, like going from <clears throat> how low talented the interior defensive line is to adding a Jalen Carter versus looking at the secondary without Devin Weatherspoon to adding him. So I think in terms of like a net gain, Jalen Carter is a better pick. However, uh, I feel like there was so much like hoopla with uh, so, so many issues with Jalen Carter's draft process and all the other things that happened during that. That I get it. Like I'm not. I'm not gonna like. Like like. Yeah, he went to like probably the best situation in the world with the Eagles and having three <laughs> three former teammates, having like a great team, a great secondary, and like 
screw that guy. But the <laughs> it's 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 one of those things where it's just like I'm not. I w- I if if Jalen Carter didn't have all those issues, pre-draft issues, if he didn't like make it like abundantly clear that he called like the Eagles before the draft and was like, "Yo, you guys need to draft me." Uh, <laughs> and did all these other things that um I'm I'm all right not taking him and and even if you see him flourish in in Philadelphia, may- maybe there's just like a straight up reason for that. You do know the Seahawks play them this year in Seattle. You ready for that, Sam? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm ready to see him see him do some magic <laughs> but i mean like they took jordan davis last year and he hasn't really done anything yet so like i'm holding out hope that georgia was great in college and not good in, in the nfl <laughs> that's my or just or just the eagles are not good that's my that's my hope <laughs> uh, that's I, fair I, I have some bad news for you the I know. Really <laughs> they're, they're, and that's really that it's gonna everyone's gonna watch jalen carter's you know career in seattle and thinking okay could that have been what we got. Although I do think that the situations are so different that it's never going to be a straight one-to-one just because he, like Seattle would need a jail to play like a shit ton of snaps like today. Yeah. Whereas like the Eagles can not sit him. They're going to use him. But like you mentioned, Jordan Davis didn't do much, but like whenever Fletcher Cox is like gone and they just lost Javon Hargrave. So like eventually they'll need these guys. They almost like basically always draft a year ahead pretty much you know except for something like Devonte smith or something like that but like even the kobe dean uh, but yeah i'm with you sam i was talking myself into jalen carter uh as well all you really got to do to make the argument for the seahawks dean jalen carter is watch any of the games against the nf the nfc south last year any of the four doesn't matter which one <laughs> pop on all their tapes and you'll be like wow <laughs> these guys uh they could use they could use a jalen carter uh last pick we want to talk to talk to you about um is the most controversial one uh, yeah. in Seattle's draft class. That is uh, running back Jack Charbonnet. And we've, we talked positional value on this show a ton. I'm like the captain of, uh, not the captain. I'm, you know, if, if, if Ben Baldwin's the captain of running backs don't matter. Like I'm in this, I'm in his cabinet somewhere. I'm not like at the top. I don't have like a full on leadership <laughs> position. You know, I have like a key card to the building, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not in charge. Um, but I want to talk, I, I fell asleep last night watching some Jack Charbonnet film and I was very impressed before I nodded off. Um, so I know you've watched him as well. Uh, tell us, Sam, what, how impressive is this Char- Zach Charbonnet and, and Ken Walker K9 one, two punch going to be this year? Yeah. Um, so this was, this was the pick I alluded to in the beginning where, uh, it's the one pick I, I, I was not a fan of. Um, and it's, it simply comes down to, uh, positional value um it comes down to needs on the board players available and honestly my my overall grade on on zach charbonnet and that and that well that sounds <laughs> quite negative i think <laughs> i think i think i think he's still gonna be a lot of fun to watch like as like a like a straight up just like fan of football like i'm gonna enjoy watching him like it's not it's not anti zach charbonnet <clears throat> it's more uh i gave him an uh an early third round grade they took him in the end of the second um, so it's not like it's a crazily difference in terms of my graded value versus that. It's just that when you spend a second round pick on Kenneth Walker the year before, you you could wait to get Roshan Johnson in the fourth and get uh, not the same value. Obviously, Zach is better or a better prospect, but but you you fill that same gap. Where uh, where with Zach uh, with uh, Kenneth Walker taking the main touches and using a Roshan Johnson to to push the pile, get some get some goal line snaps or whatever. Um, what I see from Zach Charbonnet is a strong, powerful man 
with excellent contact balance, um, good enough speed, not great, but good enough speed, some, some, some good acceleration, um, and, uh, consistent ball security and hands catching ability. Very few drops. I don't think he, he rarely ever dropped the ball. He had like one or two fumbles last year at most. And that was like 1%. That's nothing. Um, he's a guy that his contact balance and, and his, and his ability to just chunk forward is, is so AJ Dillon that I was like, Oh my God, I'm watching AJ Dillon again. Uh, it's 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 you see a skill set that he's going to get like if, if it's a four yard run, he's going to get you five or six. If it, if it's an eight, eight or ten yard run, he's going to get you ten to ten to twelve. He's never going to break a 40 or 50 yard run because he's just not fast enough. He gets caught from behind pretty much in every single game I watched. The the value to me is that he knows how to position his body that he will never just fall to the side. He, it's, it's, he doesn't get when he gets hit. It's 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 always in this rolling motion that pushes him forward that extra two or three yards. To me, that screams Pete Carroll and Seahawks like ground the pound, you know, ground ground pound football, goal line running. Um, I feel bad for Kenneth Walker fantasy fans. He's gonna steal touchdowns. He will steal touchdowns. We're gonna get a bunch of these like five, five carry, 20 yard, two touchdown games from Charbonnet, where you're gonna hate yourself for drafting Kenneth Walker. It's gonna mm. be like that, like multiple multiple times and I'm going to avoid the Seahawks backfield just because of that. Um, I'm going to say my overall negatives, stiff hips and, and slow, slow footwork. Um, I think, I think it's to me that really kind of bothers me is that when he's kind of doing this like little, little, little juke steps and stuff like that, he does, he does gain ground, but he has, he has a very hard time um, kind of reangling his body. And, And what you'll see where that, where that comes up the most is honestly um, backfield penetration. And then when you get into the second level, he rarely ever will beat a guy head on in the second level. It was like, it's, I, I don't think I saw it a single time in the three, four games. I just, I threw on, I was, I was like, you, yeah, I threw it on TV last night while I was like doing like <laughs> stretches and stuff like that. Um, I think that's my negatives. The other thing is um, uh, he, we never saw him pass protect. You see like he, he passed protected like 25 times out of his, out of all those snaps and, it just they didn't want him back there. They'd rather him on a swing pass or something else. And objectively, he's better at that. Like he's a very solid swing pass catcher. Um, and in college, that works a lot. In the NFL, it works a lot less. Um, and he has really good patience. I'll give him that. He has really good patience beyond the line of scrimmage to to watch and wait and see um, holes open. And so that was uh, those are positives. Well said, Sam. Mike, what do you think on that? I'm glad it. Well, I'm, I will say I'm glad you ended it with some positives there because you're right, Sam. That's all right. Oh, that's all right. All pretty negative. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're here for the real. We don't need you to lie to us. Unless it's about yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba. You can lie to me on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, mm-hmm. I, I just I only want to hear the good the good things because I'm just so hype about that. Uh, but yeah, give us the real uh, on Zach. I think I I think I fell asleep watching the Oregon game uh, last night. I think it was. Mm-hmm. That was good. Lots of swing passes. Yeah, lots of stuff in the flat. Oh, it's like five yeah. in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, it was like, yeah, the first like two drafts, I was like, damn, he didn't already got the ball like three times. Yeah, <laughs> it's real. I do, the, I do think. Last thing on Zach before we get you out of here, Sam, I do think it's going to compliment Ken. It's like the things that he, because yeah. Ken was taking what should be a four yard run sometimes and then losing two yards. Yeah, and I was like, well, hold on, <laughs> Ken, just give us the four. But then he take what should be a four yard run and get forty. And it's like, yeah. oh, that's wait. what we want. <laughs> we need the, we needed some middle. 
there. Yeah. Zach's like the middle, which is great. They 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 could they could use that. Uh, yeah, we're at fifty two. It might not matter if he's getting a couple touchdowns every other week. So there we go. I think it's I think it's interesting because uh, the question is like what what do you value in terms of like that that like maybe you'll lose a couple yards. It's it's the Saquon Barkley effect. You'll lose a couple yards, and he did that in college too. And then he'll break like a fifty yarder. Uh, or or do you prefer the Todd Gurley approach, which is he's never going to break that fifty, but he's at least going to chunk and he's at least going to consistently hit the right hole, do everything right, and and keep your team on schedule as like what offensive people like to call it. Like, what do you value? And for the longest time I valued the the consistency approach. Cause I was like, all right, well, I just, I just want to make my, my second down, like something reasonable. And then the more I walk, like the more I read, like the Ben Baldwin's of the world and all those, I'm like, I kind of want the 40 now. Like I would, I'd rather, it's <laughs> like, I'd rather hit the 40. And then like, even if I lose a couple yards here, who cares? Cause it's not considered a positive play by EPA anyways. So at least give me the upside. I don't know. I'll go back and forth on it. <laughs> I do with, all, with all that being said, man, Sam, we appreciate you spending this, some time with us today. We appreciate it. Is there anything? I know you said you plug in some stuff, so go ahead and plug it again, what you got coming up, whether it be on the YouTube channel or Phil Goals. I know you just dropped an article on JSN, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. What else you got coming up? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, Devin Weatherspoon, I think, will be out on Friday or Monday. I'm s- still working through it right now. Um, but, yeah, uh, check out that on Field Goals um, or me on Twitter at Samuel R. Gold. Um, yeah, really appreciate you guys for having me on. Well, there it is. It's been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter, as you can see, all below, minus CKID206. Mike, give him yours. At Mike Dugar. Elon, give my check back, man, please. <laughs> please. I don't want to pay for it, though. Just give my check back. And on that note, we will catch you guys later. Have a good and safe week. See you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.